And... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, boys and girls, for another special edition of the Michael Deacon Program. Joining me in a moment is Daniel Crystals, an independent researcher, historical analyst, and writer. Daniel is the host of Bob Busters on Rumble and Josh Who TV. Bob Busters cuts through this age of deception and delivers the most important thing of all, the truth. Now, without further ado, let's bring him right on in. And joining me right now is Daniel from Ball Busters, the podcast, not Ball Busters, like, you know, busting someone's balls, but ball. And uh, yes, if you search for that, you will find his program there. And he is also the author of Priestcraft Beyond the Babylon, a great book, by the way. I had a chance to read a good portion of the book, and I do appreciate the jumbo-sized book, by the way. Uh, yeah. It's easier to read. Yeah, 14 fonts, nice. And oh, then you yeah. get the color version, too, so the small amount of pictures that are in there at least are color yeah they're pretty nice and uh you know there's a lot to uh cover here in this book but before we do i thought we can also talk about other things going on in the world get to know you even better most of my audience seems to uh you know they seem to like you quite a bit my friend nice that's Thanks, why you're guys. back that's why you're back oh. you know they enjoyed you the first time and they were wondering when you would be back and i thought you know what let's bring them right on in again why the hell not? We don't play by any rules here, so <laughs> let's uh, do what we'd like to do, and the law shall be written, as they say. <laughs> there you go. So, Daniel, by the way, um, when people bring you on, uh, you know, you do all the, I'm sure you've done plenty of interviews, right? Yeah, the last year and a half I have. Uh, I used to just be my own, like, presentations, or I almost like book reports on video, kind uh, of, this, you know, finding things and that way the resource is what I'm talking about. So there's no, it's not just me saying it, you know, so that kind of helps out as far as credibility and then whatever resources or sources that that book had, I'll mention those too, but it kind of evolved into uh, getting more people on. Started talking to this guy called the fact hunter and he actually asked me to be on his show mm -hmm. and we had friendliness for a while, but things changed. But, and then uh, I got Dr. Brian Artis on, and I, he's been on like over 40 times now. And that just kind of spiraled into his uh, his booker having more clients and sending them my way. Nice. And then me just finding other people and finding their books and then trying to contact them to get them on and stuff. So spiraled from there. Oh, yeah. And by the way, do you ever find any of these shows kind of boring to be on after a while? Like, you know, you talk about the same thing over and over. Does it ever get too repetitive at times for you? I don't, I don't think so. Like, I don't talk to, I don't go on to very many people's shows. I'm trying to change that now that I have the book out just so more people know about the show. And I think that's, book. that's in, uh, I think that's like burnout. I, uh, that's probably what I'm looking for here. Um, yeah. I was wondering if you ever get burnt out by being on like a bunch of shows and doing the same talk over and over. Yeah. I haven't gotten to that point that yet. Point so yet, yeah. it's kind of still fresh. I know that will happen at some point, Eventually. especially when I hear other people. That when I have other people on my show, I try to get them to talk about, you know, let's let's say your your humanity, your personality. Let's let's talk about other things that kind of give people a, a different insight as to 
it's instead of the script. You know what I mean? So you, let's talk a little bit about other stuff and get right. a, get a more voluminous or voluminous mm-hmm. uh, impression of the person. So that's that's where I get to have some fun on my show because I get to, you know, have them branch out a little bit from what they're used to talking about. Yeah, that's the best the the best approach in my opinion. I was going to say the breast approach. I guess I'm <laughs> thinking about um some low hangers there. I don't know. That's right. a joke, by the way, uh, people. <laughs> it's okay, you could laugh. But yeah, I guess uh, that's where my mind was right now. I was just thinking if you've done a bunch of uh, these programs already and you kind of feel burnt out at times. I know when I go on a show, sometimes it's like, you know, I'm getting asked the same thing on every other show. And, uh, you know, I've even been on a bunch of shows, but it burns me out already just thinking about it. Yeah, it's cool to have people that you know that you're on a friendly, friendly basis with when you're oh, on yeah. their shows like Niche. Like we can always keep it because we're not we're just having a conversation. It's not like stuffy. Right. You know? So that's kinda it's kinda nice when we're uh we have a we keep in contact outside of just when we're on together. So that's that that helps it that out helps. a little bit because right. it's you know, we're just carrying on the conversation in public now instead of it being something like a very formalized uh meeting or whatever. And of course, one of the things I wanted to ask you right here, since uh, you know, the book, your book. You talk a lot about William Cooper, and I wanted to talk about his demise with you, the infamous shootout. Um, yeah. Your thoughts and opinions on on the end game. Well, in, in I don't his think life. that half the people. Well, let, let me put it this way: Doyle, the guy who was allegedly closest to him and his, you know, assistant and whatever. I'm not sure how much I trust his role and oh. position in it because some of the parts of his stories don't really add up. Like there was police uh, or uh, the chief or whatever the the sheriffs were at his house that night too trying to blockade people from coming to his house as well i don't i don't buy into that and that's also his excuse for not being there when it happened but i don't know yeah i mean the only person that's really told the story is doyle and he does mention something that i would have to 100 percent agree with and that is there's no possible way that Bill was the one that shot the other cop in the head, who didn't die, by the way. But just from the whole entire layout, and he goes through it step by step, and in the police report, they say that he shot him. I think they're covering up because a lot of times these idiots go into places, ATF, FBI, they end up shooting each other because they're fucking idiots. <laughs> so well, that's I, true. I, think, I mean, I think that's what they just did. I mean, <laughs> the dead guy's not going to say anything. So yeah. let's blame it on that, on that guy, you know? A dead man tells no. Doesn't say anything. He's dead. Right. <laughs> kind of hard to get a statement out of him. Exactly. Yeah. So and, if any, uh, but if any listeners out there are gonna, you know, do something bad, make sure you kill that person. <laughs> right. Get your, you know, do be a thorough about it for Christ's sake. We're kidding, of course. No, he will take no legal action. But uh, yes, kill that person. <laughs> I don't think you've been on many shows where um, someone's telling you that. By the way, you don't hear that often, do you? That's why I like being here. Yeah. It's a good show. It's a good family show. Oh, yeah. It's a great time here. And uh, by the way, I wish we could be doing this live, my friend, but of course, this is pre-recorded and, you know, takes a little bit of, of the fun out of it because you when it's live, it's a little bit more wilder. You get phone calls, that yeah. sort of deal. But uh, regardless, I mean, this, we're going to have fun regardless here, no matter if we're live or not. But one of the things that I find frustrating is the fact that you can't really talk about covid whatsoever uh, to any extent without your youtube channel being removed or you being demonetized or just terminated completely and that's what happened with me just the previous night 
when my guest what? went on some rant. Well, he went on wow. many rants, by the way, about COVID. And well, I mean, I could I could sort of kind of kind of believe why it would happen, but and why YouTube would do that. But you know, he was saying that all kinds of people were going to die very very soon because they took the jab, and uh, you know, YouTube does not like to hear that. They label it mis medical misinformation. Oh yeah, I had Dr. Peter Glidden, a 35 year naturopathic doctor, on talking about the possible connection between parasites and a lot of cancers, and I got that video taken down. I've had two I have had two full channels named Balls Busters mm -hmm. deleted off of YouTube after something like I think it was close to 13 or 14 strikes between the two because they fall off after 90 days. Right. And it was all medical misinformation stuff. That's, that's what they get you on. And I've, I've also, just to test it, and it happened, I got a strike for it. I took a video that was already on YouTube, <laughs> didn't say a damn word, reposted it, and I got a strike for that one. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Yes. Uh, you know, there's other people that are on YouTube, and they talk about COVID all the time. Like that Dr. Campbell uh, gentleman, by the way. And, you know, he's fine. He has like a million uh, subscribers there. Is that the guy in the UK with short hair or bald head possible so very very short with the glasses yeah 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 and you know i mean if people don't question that like there's got to be something to what how he's steering his audience to make that acceptable you know it's like there's there's people out there that they want because they know they control them or whatever or they're part right. of the the organization if you will part of the brotherhood if that they can say whatever they want and that encourages more people to think that they can do it too or comment and it's like a big honeypot because then they're like, ah, we know what that guy's thinking. We know. Right. Yeah. It's like a threat assessment thing, you know, threat assessment. It's super annoying. And uh, I feel like this gentleman, you know, he was all about the vaccine and then he went against it for a while and still he remained untouched on YouTube. And I thought, well, isn't that strange? He was all for the vaccine. He was there all for it for a while. And then he stopped being all for it. And then he went back to being all for it again. You know, he's flip flopping. But his channel remains, and it seems like he's making uh, plenty of income from his uh, YouTube channel. Even has the plaque in the background there with the gold little uh, thing there. That's a little obnoxious. Like it's really, it's really obnoxious. It's like, look, I'm talking about things that would get you removed. Right. No double standard whatsoever. Oh, and not then you at gotta all. Ask yourself, well, who are these people really affiliated with? That's right, you know? and, uh, and I find it even more um, sad and questionable why YouTube would uh, just do that sort of thing and then allow all kinds of uh, sick videos to be on YouTube. There's all kinds of uh, questionable things, even like a breastfeeding. You can see okay. uh, fully, you know, uncensored. Now you don't have you don't have children, right? I don't. Okay, so being that I have a small one, I'm subjected sometimes to the YouTube family right. channel. Yeah. There's so many Some very, weird stuff there, right? Weird, dark, occultish freaking themes in those shows, and they all play the same ones, like Hello, Hello Neighbor, uh, the Baldy one. They're all about trying to kill children or putting them in cages and locking them up, and they have to try to escape jail. It's like, what the hell are we watching here? Yeah, so you have to ask yourself, who is that for? Right. It's not really for right. children, is, Who is it? That, who's that audience for? Is it for the kids or is it for some little pervert, you know? That's right. And then you have these uh, people that don't have any kids and they go uh, to Disneyland and they're full-grown adults and they're hanging around at Disneyland. Yeah. There's groups and, of people and, that do that, by the way. There's actual groups, ladies and gentlemen, that go and frequent uh, Disneyland and they don't have any children and they are they're so fully sick. grown. Knowing what... Uh, you know, what I think most people at least assume or get the feeling for what Disney is all about, that's 
effectively going there of all places. Just uh, kind of again for those who understand this stuff, it's like rubbing it in your face. Right. Like we can do this out in the open and nobody even gets it. You know, I'm not a parent, but uh, a lot of the stuff I just find sick. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're also like a lot of the ones that do have children. They're so well off and so materialistic that they're giving off really bad uh, right. influences to children as well. And it's always about the unboxing of this toy or that toy or whatever else, or just their attitudes and how they treat adults and stuff like that. It's erosion of the family. They should call it the erosion of the YouTube, you know, of the family YouTube channels rather than YouTube family channels. I agree. And, uh, you know, I'm going to ask you a personal question here. I hope you don't mind, but. Um, Seven, probably. What's that? Never mind. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was about to ask you how um, how young were your kids when you introduced them to you know the internet the you know the, oh. the tablet the the iPad the booklet as as they call these things. That wasn't me. It was the mom. Yep. You know. Oh, oh. So early I, on, they, right? Early. We don't do cable. I mean, we have a smart TV and we have the internet. So I hear you. Um, every once in a while, but I don't even look at the television set. I've got two in the house, one in the bedroom that I never turn on when I'm in there, one in the living room that, but I mean, we have the two computers here in this room. Right. And, uh, you know, like if I was, if I was 100%, you know, regulating the situation, there would be no roadblocks because there's a lot of messed up, uh, it's a lot of weird themes, themes in there. Stories. Yeah. Oh yeah, there would be no YouTube family crap it, or or TikTok. Personally, TikTok is I don't know what the hell the flicker rate is doing to my child's brain, and I don't know what else is being you know implemented in their subconscious because I think attitudes towards adults in general and like the erosion of family ha happens at the technological level right. that we don't quite understand. But the occultists know just just fine. It's the ones that are jack around with MKUltra and psychedelics, they know they know what they're doing. That's true. Um, have you ever experienced any psychedelics by any chance? Oh, lots. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, there's some good stuff out there, in my opinion. I think it has to do with your moral fabric, too. You know, it's like if you're, if you've got, uh, so here's the thing. I think they erode a wall. So if you're, if you're more susceptible to a darker thing influencing you, then that's what's going to happen. Right. If you are seeking for the sake of not being just high, but also to try to, get a better understanding. You could still be misled for quite a long time, but I think eventually if you have some kind of character or some kind of something inside you, a spark or whatnot, that you'll understand something more than you would have ever have come across in any type of long meditation or any other new age shit. Uh, maybe it's a shortcut. Maybe you shouldn't do it. I don't know. But like psilocybin, I've always, for the most part, have had really good experiences with. I've never had Amanita muscaria or anything like that, but I've had psilocybin. I've had acid a few times, but mostly psilocybin. Psilocybin is great. I, I enjoy it myself, but I prefer acid, to be honest with you. I think it's a much cleaner sort of experience, and you could control it a lot easier. And, you think so? Uh, Something that's more like the ergot? You I, think the I believe that's a lot stronger, in my opinion. It's just... Oh, it's definitely stronger. Yeah, the, the mushroom, the psilocybin mushroom is definitely a lot stronger if you eat a, a heavy dose it's a lot harder to control that than I would say acid. I mean, acid you can control and you're not really... And a lot of people, they have I've a misconception. Yeah. They have a big misconception of what acid is. They think they're going to see like things appear and disappear. They think they're going to see a unicorn. And it's like, you're not going to see any of that shit. 
I don't, yeah, I don't think, I don't think, and here's, you can tell me about what you think about this because I'm always curious what other people think. I think we're tuned into like a certain dial Frequency. setting. On yes, yeah. And are. then if you speed that up or slow it down, or if you take a psychedelic, it's not because it's not part of reality. It's more reality than you're used to processing. And it's a different channel or you're stuck between two channels. So you're seeing the overlap of two different things, but not necessarily seeing with your eyes like visuals, but more like mentally mentally you yes know, feeling it right and i think psilocybin is more mental than acid because i've been to raves before where i didn't know it was going to end at 2 a.m so i started <laughs> peaking at 1 p.m or 1 a.m and, and it was time to leave i was like shit i gotta drive but <laughs> yeah, you know. it was out in portland oregon but um yes don't drive when you're on acid folks not no, good. No. be careful everything is very very exaggerated very wavy. like this and uh yes but i had uh they had like those I don't know if it was sheets, small sheets, mm. you know, pinned at just all the four corners on the walls in the in the acid slash uh, techno room. And when it started to hit, I could see that it was breathing. Right, and I didn't right. understand. Like you look at it, it looks like what the hell kind of decoration is that? And then when it happens, you're like, oh, it makes sense now. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Everything makes sense uh, when you're in that state of mind, in my opinion. If you're like myself, a creative mind, someone who likes to create. Uh, acid will be very beneficial for you. I'm not going to bullshit you or lie to you out there when yeah, you listen to this. But if you are mentally unstable and have issues in your life, I recommend you not doing anything. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Right. Don't do any drugs. If, or if you're already mentally unbalanced, I, I, w I, I think there's no benefit for you at all. Yeah, and I, I told you, I think... Maybe. Yeah, I think I, I messaged you on this when we were on in Instagram that I haven't had anything to drink in over eight years That's because right. when my daughter was born, I just decided let's not, you know, mm -hmm. jeopardize my own stupidity into, you know, affecting my own family. And Rebecca also. Well, when you, when you say that, do you, are, are you saying that in, in the realm that you yourself maybe had issues with alcohol in the past. That has no, it ever affected you? I had issues you? with police officers. I didn't oh. have issues with alcohol. Just everything that I've ever done <laughs> has been very well documented. I see. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, did I like it? Yeah. I was a when in my twenties. If, if there was anything besides hot sauce and beer in my fridge, I'd be surprised. Maybe a block of cheese. But I mean, oh <laughs> it was just different varieties of beer. Like I, I wasn't. The type that so uh, you were you were deep with the alcohol then you were like you know drinking every weekend drinking beer or anything like I hear that. you okay no but I enjoyed it but I think mm -hmm. I got it all on my system I, I drink a, a lifetime's worth and by the by the age thirty six or whatever so it's all about moderation and I didn't start drinking until twenty one and my parents owned a bar well twenty oh maybe wow 20. that's pretty pretty wild um, I would expect you to drink a lot sooner if your parents owned a bar yeah we owned a restaurant uh well my parents owned an Italian restaurant and bar in upstate New York. Oh my! A really own. big bar, yeah. Very nice, very nice. And you haven't touched alcohol in uh, many moons, you say? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? I even am skeptical whether I have like a tincture mm. when it's uh when it's been extracted with alcohol. Like right. I try not to take it. It's it's just a thing with me because I 
tell me this is stupid, that's fine, but I have my own beliefs on this, and I'm not an uh, ultra-religious person, but I know that there's something out there. And when I found out that we were going to have a child, we had lost in a miscarriage one. I see. And so I made a pact. I said, I'm not going to, you know, healthy, happy child, and I'll give this up. It's not a big deal to me if I, you know, and so I did. And I've never gone back on it. I'm not going to jeopardize the, the the demons and the and the gods by saying, "Oh, well, we're good now. She's born, so we might as well just keep doing." I was no, I'm not going to do that. Did so. you ask God for that? Well, whoever, whoever's out <laughs> there, know? right? I'm not. I don't have a. I don't have a, a very traditional belief set on that. I used to. I mean, I was born uh, into a Roman Catholic. Get your communion. Get your confirmation. Family, right. and then we went the Christian churches and all that stuff. But uh, a lot of what my book is about, I think you you see that I'm kind of debunking the whole uh, Old Testament. I don't think they should be connected. And uh, I think if there was a, and I'm not saying that there wasn't, don't get mad at me, but I, <laughs> to all those people who might be listening to this, I'm not saying that there wasn't a J-man. I'm just saying, I think they put words in his mouth to mm. kind of integrate those two books together. And I think one is the polar opposite of the other. Right. The two of them don't really go together. If you ask me, um, and and the New Testament, it's like saying, well, God made a mistake. Yeah. Oops. They do that a lot. So say the thing with the Lurian Kabbalah, like they're, the whole idea of like the sparks and uh, the vessels cracking and then, oops, we have mankind, big mistake. And then it's the chosen one's duty to redeem the world by fucking killing everybody else except for the chosen ones and making way for the new Messiah of theirs. And that's where the learning Kabbalah is all about. That's where Zionism comes from. That's like it was called Sabbatean Frankism up before, up until it was called Zionism. And if you knew the practices of Jacob Frank, uh, yeah, that's a pretty awful, disgusting thing. Incest. I'm not, I'm not so upset about the whole orgy thing, but wife swapping, um, you know, drinking of blood, consuming of human flesh, all right. that stuff, and 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 tormenting of children. Zombie or, Jesus, as they call them. Zombie Jesus, the original zombie, right. came back from the dead. Came back from the he's dead. Easy. Yeah, but the, the, there's some weird stories in the Bible, for sure. Uh, and Tammuz, know, like, the story of Tammuz is like almost the same as the Jesus story. I think a lot of this stuff is Babylonian. Now, saying and this again, this doesn't say that there wasn't a guy. I think they just took whatever they take whatever they can and graft it into whatever they want to manipulate you with. So words get put in people's mouths, terms of, and and situations get changed. And Rosicrucians edited the goddamn King James Version. So I don't understand how people can just, why don't you listen to that person who talks to you, who's a cool dude, who tries to guide you into doing, you know, away from doing stupid things. And don't worry about the intermediary. Fuck the church. Fuck the, you have to learn this and you have to believe that. Or we're telling you, you're not going to someplace. Fuck right. Yeah. That's, it's a, it's a little <laughs> odd to me as well. Um, Am I allowed to swear here? Yeah. Am you can I say not? whatever you want. All right. Cool. Yeah. You could cuss. It's fine. Uh, I, I just think it's very odd that some people want to go to a church and they love church. And I think, why? It's just, uh, it's not, re it's not a requirement. Right. And when I started looking into this stuff, like a lot of things have changed from, I mean, it was, I think, always a Babylonian book in the first place, the Old Testament. It was a Sumer Babylonian, just re renaming things to, yeah. to mask it. And uh, when I was reading that book, Masking Whole by Michael W. Ford, uh, I, I've kind of seen the parallels there even more, and uh, the whole caduceus symbol of the of the uh, of the 
medical industry. That is right. straight. I'm not gonna. Get, I'm not gonna say anything. Get this in trouble, but that is straight out of. Uh, I think it's. I'm not gonna pronounce it right, but I have it in the notes. But you, yeah, you can get us in trouble. Uh, it's okay. It's one of the um, one of the gods of ancient Sumer, and it represents utilizing venom, which is kind of interesting if you talk to Doctor Artis, and poisoning, and it's like the plague, the the god of plagues and things like that. So it's it's a symbol used on purpose. I think it's uh, Nigashida is who I'm thinking of, the serpent god, the guardian of demons, or it could be also, yeah, it's Nigashida. I'm pretty sure. So they they reused the old Babylonian stuff in modern day. So what has changed? And that's why Priestcraft Beyond Babylon kind of explains there's no broken chain between then and now. And whatever manifestations they've come to throughout the day, it's just new new masks for the same ancient stuff. Correct. You know? Christianity is, was uh, pretty much based off of uh, the Egyptian mythos, basically. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, you know, also... Even going beyond that, I think I think some of the Egyptian stuff was coming from the Akkadian and Assyrian influences too. Correct. That were in Babylon at the time. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, another random question uh, that I like to ask everyone, and I talk to them, and I'll ask you the same question: Do Do you consider yourself a good person? Yes. You do. Yes. For the most part, yeah. You I mean, know, I don't, I, I don't ever try to do harm to others. I don't consider yeah. myself a good person, and I don't consider myself a bad person. I feel like I've okay. done a lot of good, and I've done a lot of bad. Okay, and, uh, so in, mm -hmm. in that respect, okay, so let me just say this. I have regrets because, you know, people don't live forever. Right. Wishing that I was, you know, spent more time and isn't was in the right place at the right time to help family members that have passed. Yeah, I have. I don't feel like a good person for that, and that does bother me. But what I try to do is to change and fix all that with my family here, my daughter and stuff like that. So I think I'm on the right path of doing the right thing is what I guess I meant to say by that. Right. Because I don't, I think saying that you're a good person is like kind of, I, I get what you're saying there. It's kind of like a it's presumptuous, maybe a little obnoxious. I get it. Well, I mean, if that's how you feel, then that's how you feel. You know, I'm not trying to make you feel any way about that. It's It's just a, um, a question I like How? to ask a lot of people and, and see what they think of themselves in, in that regard. And just like you, you know, I've done a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, regret some things in life. And all we could do is try to be a better version of ourselves the next um, time around. Yeah. And, and right. The next time around, for sure, because <laughs> it seems like we're stuck. Yeah, we're kind of stuck in this realm here. here. Yes. And, you know, all these sort of things run through my mind when I'm like sick or injured and I'm laying in bed. I, I start thinking about my life and uh, everyone that I'm tied to in this world. And I, I think about how I've done good for certain people and I wrong certain people. And I just try to remain as balanced as I can. You know, it's funny that you say that because selfishness is one of those things that I don't even know if people recognize when they're being so, but it's like a developmental thing that happens throughout life. And if you're not screwing it up with additional substances and stuff like that you may actually mature out of it i think but when you look back at it it's like the people who raise you the time when you're getting the most love or whatever if if, if that's your situation in life it's some, not every family is like that but right that's the time where you're not the when you're not the best you're not at your best because it hasn't matured to that time yet to where you would start to understand you know what selfishness truly looks like so it's like when i had my grandmother pass away on me in the 2006 because of 
medical malpractice. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me think like, you know, I understand what the value of money is now. And she used to be working and give me a $10 row of coders to go play at the arcades at the mall. And like, or I would always ask for something and get it. And like, what the hell did I do that for? My grandmother was having a hard time as it was, you know, it's things like that. Yeah, that you really just didn't bothered. know at the time. Until and I later, wonder if that's an you know. excuse. You know? No, I don't, I don't think it's an excuse. I, I just think certain things take a while to develop before you come to that realization uh, about X, Y, and Z. And it's always with time these things come and, you know, you start questioning uh, your own mentality and your own purpose in this world um, as well. Yeah, and $10 back then, people were making four fifty an hour. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like now we're fucking New, uh, California and they're making everybody uh, who works in fast food 20 bucks an hour in $20 April. an hour, yeah. So your menu, your menu prices are up um, astronomically. And it's just, it's a, it's a shame really. You know, I bought breakfast for my dad and myself at, um, at a jack-in-the-box maybe a couple weeks ago. And that was like 20-some dollars. Yeah. He got off light. I just I took my stepson and uh, myself. Well, to... actually, let me let me revert that. Actually, it wasn't twenty. It was about forty dollars. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now we're close. Yeah, yeah it was that's forty because it was I a paid. it was a combo <laughs> for one of those ultimate breakfast jacks uh, things, you know. And that shit was forty goddamn dollars. That's a dinner at a nice restaurant back in the day. Back in the I don't day. know if that day exists anymore. <laughs> I know there were that was like back in like I think early well I should say about late nineties early two thousands there was a gentleman by the name of Tom Likas and yes. he used to uh, say don't ever go on a date that's going to cost more than forty dollars <laughs> how so, um yeah that's long gone <laughs> McDonald's it is <laughs> yeah I mean first impression shit man I mean everything's going to cost you forty dollars nowadays probably even higher obviously but uh, fast food that's forty dollars. Yeah, Fast food, not. by the way, food that will definitely kill you and give you cancer for $40. If I do anything like that, I try to go to the uh, first finding good Chinese food is the first obstacle. And then that's true. You know, in there for the lunch menu time where it's a little bit cheaper, <laughs> yeah, but like general sour chicken. If, if it's good, it's like the best thing on the earth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But. Yeah, a lot of these things, you know, we don't really think about until a little later in life. And, uh, you know, I, I thank the acid as well for helping me get through a lot of these things, a lot of these tough times in my life. It, it's really helped me tremendously mentally, I would say. And, you know, I feel that a lot of veterans should be on the acid instead yeah. of uh, the ketamine that they would want to give these boys. I think they need to give them shrooms or acid. And that will help a lot of these uh, gentlemen who come over, come back from combat with a lot of these mental issues. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of veterans out there and a lot of them, oof, a lot of them, uh, it's hard for them. You know, they fall back on alcohol and all this other stuff. And I've and talked to many of them. Because of the and pain, yeah. because a lot of them are injured, all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, I hate to see it, you know, because I know so many people that are, are veterans and a lot of veterans love this program. And I hate to see them like that. You know, I, I wish um, we could give them all acid. <laughs> as crazy yeah, as that would... sounds, but I mean, I'm telling you, it would definitely help these people that are suffering tremendously on the inside. Absolutely. I was a U.S. Coast Guard, not combat, obviously, but um, I was I was active duty during uh, the World Trade Center attacks, but mm-hmm. I wasn't anywhere near it. I was at Cabo San Lucas. But we got called back on the boat, and I was a message traffic handler, so I got to see, like, all the Z-Flash reports and stuff like yeah. that being a, being a TC. But what I had uh, 
discovered because when I decided to quit, you know, I started taking Kratom. And I noticed that there was absolutely, it was the easiest thing to do is to just break the habit because, because of the Kratom. Because it was just, it was routine stuff, the alcohol. It wasn't even like, I didn't even enjoy it for like three years before I did it. I used to be disgusted with myself if I did drink. I just couldn't stand anything about it, the way I felt health-wise, the lack of energy the next day. I just hated it. So, and I wasn't enjoying my conversations out in public with people. Shit, I couldn't even afford it now, the way that- Right, I know now it's all expensive. And but, by, by the way, Daniel, I started selling Kratom. You, you I started, started selling Kratom. Called, you started uh, selling Kratom. Yeah. Uh, I, I called it Returning Soldier Kratom Connection. And I was selling it on, you know, I think back then I think you could do it uh, over uh, Craigslist or whatever. And I'd pe- I would just meet up with people. But the purpose was I found so much benefit from it for mood and stuff like that, that, you know, 21, is it 21 or 22 veterans commit suicide a day? You I, know, I, yeah. if they had Kratom, if they had what you had as well. Forget even ecstasy. <laughs> that probably helped <laughs> they too. That, they might not kill themselves. I believe so. I believe so. And I've known many um, veterans who, you know, their colleagues have definitely ended their own lives after some of the experiences they've gone through. And again, I feel terrible about that. And for those who don't know, what can you explain a little bit about kratom and just some of its effects? Yeah. Um, so it comes from Malaysia, Indonesia. And apparently it's the most potent when it's grown out of its natural soil. And that could just be from, you know, ours being depleted from over over harvesting and stuff like that. I don't know what the real reason is, but when you get it from there, uh, it's usually best. And Meng Da is the green leaf form. It's supposed to be the best. I think it's probably the strongest unless there's, but I like, I like the red as well at times because it's more calming and uh, it actually makes you more creative, more talkative. Um, just in a better mood and if minor aches and pains of that uh, the idea that i'm just getting old and feeling old right uh getting out of bed is a lot easier uh things like that so it's it's very helpful it's very beneficial beneficial to me personally and i've been taking it like i said for almost a decade now before when i first took it it was like as a sample packet that came with something else that i bought and um i don't know if it was enough or if the capsule didn't melt because it was in a capsule form i take the, the powder straight in water now so it doesn't have to dissolve anything and i i, I felt like nothing happened so i never uh went back to it until like a couple of years later when i found the powder form and i was like ah, what the hell and i was like wow so it does have an opiate type of effect to it it doesn't it doesn't it goes to the same direction without but from a different path so it's not like pressing the the opiate button down until it gets stuck and I think that's what happens with people who do opiates themselves is whatever in your brain that, you know, you can push that button so many times until the spring is kind of dead and then you don't get the feeling anymore until you up, 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 up the dose and then you kill mm, yourself, right? Right. So that doesn't happen with Kratom. And I think that's another reason why it's beneficial to, you know, people with PTSD, if you want to call it a disorder or PTS because it's not really a disorder, shit happened, trauma sucks and it should yeah. affect you, um, then I think that would just for the mood enhancement version, uh, you know, variety of it, plus getting people off of other things that are killing them because opiates feel good, you know? And if you're taking the ones that the doctors are handing you and the VA doesn't even let you have good stuff anymore. So they're screwing the, the soldiers over majorly there. Um, then the alternative that's from nature, that's actually a, in the family of the coffee plant of all things. Uh, I think that would be a better choice than the pharmaceutical version of it. Right. And um, definitely. It, you won't have the desire to drink or anything else like that either. You don't need it. You don't feel that impulse of wanting something that you don't have, mm-hmm. you know? 
Understood. Um, for a while there, I know uh, John Lear was uh, taking Kratom. And I, you know, he's been on this program numerous times. But one of the last times I talked to him, he was in a lot of pain. Yeah. And I remember he was, I think that was probably a few months before he even died. Oh, wow. So that, that was uh, terrible. And uh, I know Bill Cooper thought he was a CIA shill, by the way. Did he? I don't know too much. I don't know who John Leader is, honestly. I mean, I, I've heard the name. The jet guy? Like, I don't even know. Well, yeah, his dad, his dad actually created the Lear jet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But John Lear, um, he was very much, uh, he was a, a pilot for the, for the feds at one time, obviously. Some okay, say yeah. he was involved with uh, cocaine trafficking, some would say. But that's, those are just uh, rumors and, you know. Oh, there you go. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if I believe that part, but he definitely worked for the feds at one time. I'm pretty sure about that part, though. Yeah, of course. I mean, and the affiliation there is like, well, a lot of these people say, oh, I'm an ex this and a former that. I'm like, if you know these organizations and how they act, there's no such thing as former shit. You know, you yeah. know their secrets. <laughs> yeah, there's no former. yeah, there's no former there. They all are uh, still connected uh, by some means. Reassigned to a different duty, which is, hey, propaganda. You know, Lots that's of the retirement propaganda. for Muslim is propaganda. I'm a good guy now. He's a good guy. He's a good guy, as they say. Yeah. And, um, one of the other things I wanted to mention here was um, I'm sure you saw all the uh, tunnels that uh, yes. from the unorthodox Jews in New York. <laughs> the unorthodox Jews. <laughs> Don't you find that uh, unusual that that story was swept under the rug after about two days? Yeah. And did you notice that uh, Stu Peters and Brother Nathaniel got together to uh, post their own propaganda when they when they had their little interview there? I actually wait a minute. A wait a minute. Who, video. Who's Brother <laughs> Nathaniel? He's the bushy-haired, bushy-beard guy with the glasses, with the the hat, with the. He's a, supposedly a, a converso or a Murano, if you will, who converted to uh, Christianity, which I would probably say more like a Jesuit. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and he he sings or, or rhymes like he's Doctor Juice instead of Doctor Seuss. Oh wait, yeah, I've seen this gentleman yeah. before. Now that I looked at a photograph of this, uh, yeah. Nathaniel Kapner. Yes, that guy. So he's been on hmm. uh, first. The first thing, the, the first setup, because this is all to work on the people, right? He goes on Alex Jones, and Alex Jones talks over him a bunch of times and tries to shut down what Brother Nathaniel's saying. And I don't like Alex Jones, and I don't think he's ever telling the truth. And isn't I know that he? He's just, isn't I mean his his whole tune changed, by the way, because I used to really like him from the early early two thousands up until about two thousand ten. That's he ran out of shit to steal from Bill Cooper. Really, Bill Cooper stopped making shit. He really changed, though. Uh, he, I don't know what happened to him. He, you know, the, the Alex Jones we have today is not the Alex Jones of the past because the one that I remembered from the past was really against a lot of the stuff he's doing today. Meaning, you know, he's siding with a, 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 a sitting president at that time. And at one time, Alex hated uh, the left and the right. And that's why I loved him so much. Because yeah, he didn't, he didn't like any right. of it. Yeah, he evolved. I call him the ultimate opportunist, in my opinion. Well, I mean, you never know who. It's like, well, what controls your your fate when you're moving up the ladder and, and being successful? Whoever buys out whatever now right. has their own set of rules. Yeah. If you're not already just part of the system to where the first stage of your development was to gain everybody's trust, and now let's steer him into the dirt. You know, so I mean, it could just be something like that where it was. An evolutionary process. First, we gain and garner the res- the respect and trust of people, and now we lead them off a cliff like a pied pied piper of the apocalypse. So it could be that it could just be 
the people who control the money and his availability to earn it, if he's not just part of the 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 situ, you know, the thing itself, make him change his tune, and he willfully does so. I mean, you get an older people. I mean, if if you're saying the wrong thing in a pop and you're popular about the wrong people or about the right people, um, your family could be in danger. You know, that's right. Especially if they're connected to the Mossad. So. That's true. And, I, and as, as you know, and everyone else knows out there listening to this, um, the media has always been um, controlled. Yes. We've Obviously. known that already. We, we've known that through Operation Mockingbird. We, we know that the news is controlled by the, by the feds. We know that they control Disney, ABC, and uh, so forth and so forth. We already know about uh, all the journalists that were in the back pockets and, and of our friends at the CIA back in nineteen, uh, back in the nineteen, starting actually back in the nineteen fifties is when it all really came full front with uh, the CIA spending millions and millions on corporate media to control the agenda. And this, a lot of people think, well, you know, that was way back in the day. It doesn't go on today. It's you know, it's in the past. Bullshit. I mean, this still goes on all the time. It's happening right now in real time. Right. And it, when that time frame that you put in the 50s or the 60s, that was right after the development of cybernetics with the Macy Foundation and Rockefeller and then right into the MKUltra. So they were perfecting their methods oh, yeah. for mass mind control and utilizing the media to do that. Um, but I would say that media journalists in general, they've been they've been uh, controlled ever since uh, Lincoln. Didn't he put 40,000 of them in prison for or um Locked away to where no one ever found him again during the the suspension of habeas corpus. So we don't know what the hell happened to most of them. Oh yes, uh, good point. You know, yeah. So I mean, good journalists learned what happened to good journalists when you <laughs> tell the truth, forever changing the industry yeah. itself from then on. Exactly. So, with all that said, did Alex Jones do this to his career because it'd be beneficial and he would profit off of this move? I would say absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I the commercialization has always been there. Like he's always sold a million trillion products and he's done so in fear mongering ways. Like the world's going to end in Y2K. The world's going to end in the Mayan calendar. And then, you know, Stu Peters is just a repeat of that. But now they're playing that game where first, first brother Nathaniel goes on uh, Alex Jones and everybody. And even I was like, what the hell? I don't, wanna, don't ask the question if you don't want him to answer. And then he goes on to Stu Peters and they put on this whole display about the tunnels Mm -hmm. Being a nothing burger is what Dr. Juice, J-E-W-S, -E, you know. Oh, really? <laughs> he was saying it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. He said, oh, I, I were, he said, I studied with the Chabad in a whole different city called, you know, Philadelphia. And he said, uh, for three years. So the, the Chabad, that, that's Kabbalistic, right? That's the Lurian Kabbalah. That's where Sabbatine Frankism comes from. That's where the idea of Zionists developed. And he's saying that, A, back in 1913, there was no Zionist movement bullshit. It was called something else back then. It wasn't uh, anything that has to do with the the uh, the evangelical churches that came out of the, the Moravian Plymouth or ex Exclusive Brethren, which, by the way, Alistair Crowley's parents were members of the Exclusive Brethren, the whole John Darby thing, the Schofield Bible, all that stuff was Sabbateanism or Frankism, if you will. So all that came about. Then you have the Jesuit um, element of that. Which I believe, if we're going to try to identify, if we're going to make that attempt to speculate, that I think there's a Jesuit hand in what's going on with, with the whole Stu Peters and, and uh, Brother Nathaniel conversation. Because right in the very beginning, Stu Peters criticizes the evangelical Zionist 
Protestants is the word he uses. Who's the who's the biggest enemy, the nemesis of the Jesuits through the Counter Reformation War? The the the, the uh, Lutherans and the and the Protestants, right? So I found that kind of interesting that they start off like that before he even brings Brother Nathaniel on. And then the whole thing about the nothing burger. So when he was 20, it was 50 years ago. Brother Nathaniel's 73 right now. He said he studied with him for three years when he and he tell he says the date or whatever. So he, he's basing his judgment on what's going on with the tunnels uh in a different state in a different state off of his his uh you know experience that he had 50 years ago. And he's saying, oh, yeah, don't worry. It's, you know, I don't care. He, he even said, I don't care if they're, what they're pulling out of there. I was like, okay, so if they're throwing little, you know, rotted baby body parts over their shoulder as they're, as they're fixing the tunnel, no big deal because it's just a bathhouse. Because he already, because the Jew said so. So it must be true. All right. You oh know, the, the resident golden Jew said so. So it must be true. And I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to say that about everybody. I'm just saying if you're a Kabbalist, if you're a Lurian Kabbalist, if you're, mixed up with the Jesuits or the Frankists, and you're telling me a story, I know it has to be, by definition, a misdirection, because that's what they... That's, that's well, that's what they do with each other. They, they deflect and all help each other, and um, it's, it's no surprise that uh, Israel has became, uh, has become, I should say, it's, and it's all, well, it didn't become, it's always been a safe haven for pedophiles. And it's also been, what, created by the Rothschild banking, right? That's, that's where right. the Balfour Declaration went to. So why would we think that that would be anything but a terrorist state? Because what do they do to the rest of the world? They terrorize them and put them in the debt. And then they, you know, basically own the country because you have to do what they say because you're indebted to them. Just remember the law it, of return, by the way, that's what it's called. For any Jewish person anywhere on this uh, great planet we live on, they can become a citizen in Israel. And their and their spouse and their kids and their grandchildren. Anyone who's a Jew can go it's back from their mother's side, right? Because you can even be a halfy as long as it's on your mother's side that they that they trace the lineage, correct? I believe something of that sort, yes. Yeah. And this was this uh, I think was put into place. I think sometime maybe in the fifties. I would have to say. I'm, I'm guessing here. I think it might have been the last I remembered. But either way, the fact that 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 even existed should uh, make everyone sort of um, a little bit suspicious. I would say. Right. How can you have dual? I mean, if especially when the, in politics and the State Department and all that, you're talking about 85% of the people running our quote unquote country because you yeah. know, it's not run by them at all. You pledge, yeah, yeah, you pledge allegiance to Israel before you go on board. And as you said, yeah, you, you got to be down with it or else uh, you don't get elected. Right. And it's not, it, Israel is just the, the, what do you call it, the material manifestation of the elusive they, quote unquote, they of the Rothschild banking system, which I believe still, and I'm going to say this to reiterate in case people don't watch my show that are listening to this right now, the Roman Catholic Empire never left. They just learned to control people and countries by proxy through debt. And that's why they utilize people like the Rothschilds, because they're like the the property managers for the world estate that the papal bulls of these past popes have already claimed. They claimed your soul. They claimed the earth and everything on top of it. It's theirs. And there's never been anything that disputed that. When uh, when everything supposedly ended around the 1800s, and there were still people saying that they were electors to the Roman Holy Roman Empire as far back as the 1800s, and then Franz II became Franz I of Austria. The Leopold Society grew from Austria. It was the new stronghold of the Jesuits because they were just reinstated in 1814. 
and they started flooding America to take us down. It's a slow process, but they do the, the infiltration part first. And just like Frankists, they do the same thing. They wear the mask of every other religion, but in, internally within, with, with one another, they are Frankists, no matter what else is they, they're portraying on the outside, evangelical Christian, you know, yeah. Catholic, Roman Catholic, whatever it is. And that all came about because of the meeting. People m- missed the third man in the room again. Jacob Frank was there with Weissab and Meyer Amschel Rothschild, and Meyer Amschel Rothschild converted to Frankism. And now we have Zionism, which is goddamn same thing. That's right. And <laughs> and by the way, we, we don't hate the Jews, by the way. No. We we no. don't. I don't want anyone out there because I do have some Jewish listeners out there and they oh, have a sense friend. of humor. They know. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I grew up with some Jews as well. I mean, you know, we, I still have friends that are Jewish. And, you know, a lot of them don't care about uh, a lot of this uh, shit. The, There's uh, non-Zionists out there. Yeah, yeah, the Hasidic uh, Judaism. You know, they don't care about any of that. That some really of that means has, nothing has, to them. Some of the Hasidism, or whatever you want to, however you pronounce that or say it, um, there is some Sabbatean influence in that, but not all of it. It all depends on who corrupted what, because they like to infiltrate things. So depending on... This, this is the thing that sucks is that the people who are the corrupt ones are the ones that usually speak on behalf of everyone else. Correct. So they demonize and give bad name to, and that's on purpose. And it's like, you can't, who do you trust? Because it's like asking a Freemason to tell you something about their order. They're obligated to tell you something that's not correct. It might be a lot of truth in it, but eventually the, the outcome is going to be, I don't, I know less than I do when I first listen, started listening, you know? Yeah. The, I agree with you, and I could say the same thing about all religions, by the way. I could, I feel like a lot of them is just man's interpretation, not exactly the message or word from God, even. Right. And I do, like, I, like going back to that, that's why it's when people say, are you this or that? I'm like, well, the assumption and, and the, the concept people have is that it has something to do with the book, which I wouldn't even look at. But I know that yeah. there's a God, you know, at least I think there's something going on. There's something, I freaking grant, whatever it is, right? Right. And, and that's uh, why I say I feel like you don't need to go to church. You don't need to join any kind of group at all. You can discover God, Jesus, whatever you want to call him, inside yourself. I, I, I believe that part, though, in the Bible. I feel gnosis. like it comes and from think, inside. Yeah, and Gnosis, not being Gnostic, because Gnostic's a shit word that people who are anti-early Christians, yeah. the Nicene Orthodoxy, made up years and years later. But Gnosis, the knowing, instead of do you want faith, do you want to believe, or do you want to know? And I think psilocybin and things like that help people get to know. They just have to be aware that when you take down a wall, that anything can come in. You just got to be careful. You know what I mean? So it's just, and what are you going to be more lenient towards? If you're a friggin' mental psychopath or whatever, then you're going to do shitty things. If you're a sociopath that doesn't have any empathy, it's not going to enhance your empathy. It's going to make you into more of an asshole. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I've seen it happen. Oh, I've seen it happen to very, very religious people. Um, for instance, you know, I've seen a man get married after their wife dies, maybe a month after she dies, and they they were hardcore religious. And I think, oh, were you now? Yeah, where's the love? Yeah, right? I don't think you were religious. I think uh, you worship the devil. I think for sure. If absolutely, <laughs> if there is such a thing. Which I, you know, sometimes even I question if uh, there is God or Satan. I, I sometimes I'm a little bit um hesitant to what what to believe. Right. I mean, I think, the, I think a lot of times, you know, probably you as as well as I, 
use concepts that people understand so they can visualize and kind of put a, a value to it. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what it is. These are still sure. man's interpretation and man's words. So, and you know how man yeah. is. And there's a lot of metaphysics involved that maybe we're not ever supposed to know the actual thing because then that kind of takes the mystery out of it for one, but it also kind of takes the mysticism out of it, which is kind of essential for its existence in the first place, like the archetypes or whatever. And when reading the the Sumerian and, and the Babylonian mm -hmm. stuff, you have you have the demons and you have what essentially could be considered archons. I mean, these are coming from Babylon. Uh, that's pretty old. I mean, I'm sure there Very was a reset old. back then too, because apparently there was a flood at that point, And who knows if that was created or if it was natural. Who the hell knows? We don't know. And I'm glad you said that because, you know, the Pentagon was saying, um, you know, the, the boys out there, they were talking about uh, aliens and <laughs> what these things are. And they're saying maybe these things are interdimensional. They're not uh, really uh, crafts of sorts, that these are organic forms, they're saying. A lot of us stuff that's been going out there, I'm sure you've been reading yourself in yeah, terms of all the UFO stuff going on right now. And yeah, a lot of them are saying these things are demonic. And I definitely wanted your right. opinion on that. So we don't have a whole lot of information as to what happens under the ocean, right? And or underground with all these speaking of tunnels and the ones that they were drilling for all that time. That Gothard title is just the, the public one, right? With the strange virtual, but... There's been a lot of videos in, ever since like 2010, I think, of that, that loud humming that people would record. And when you listen to the Gather Tunnel drilling, it sounds exactly the same. So through states in this country, they're expanding something that's down there. Is it connecting to something ancient? I don't know, but we don't know what's underneath us. There's some books that Freemasons or the like have written about it, like Edadrapa and the Stormy God or whatever it is, that kind of tell you something, but it's just very symbolic and really tough for you know people to get a, a straight answer from but there's the potential of that i think robert sepper goes over a lot of this stuff too with edadrapa and the bioluminescent plants and stuff like that and how there's like an actual sun and all this other stuff or whatever but there's they could just be interdimensional or like you said they could be they could be interdimensional or they could just be inner as an in under the ground and a That's lot of true. these yeah. Old Sumerian things, they talk about things coming out of the ocean to teach man, like Oannes and his his equivalent. It's always these characters, and some of them have the head of a fish. Right, the head, the head of, of the fish. That's Oannes. That sounds like a right. freaking scuba diver to me. Because you pull up yeah. the hood, you pull up the goggles, and then there's your face, right? So it's there's a lot of strangeness that goes on there, and it makes you wonder, okay, these people might have been taller. It's like, hey, you know what? There's a cataclysm coming. We don't want these people to try to get into our tunnels. So can we make them smaller this time? It's like, well, look who you're asking. I'm the genetics manipulating master. I got you. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden everybody's shorter. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. So that way we can dominate. And then, and, then think about, and then think about our human origins as well. You know, we have um, a common ancestor with apes and stuff. And if you look, I don't know about all that. Well, that's what they say. Right. I mean, that's what they say about how we came to be, that we were genetically modified yeah. and all this uh, stuff. But, you know, we all also have a marine origin as well. You know, so that's why I'm, I'm saying I, I definitely think we did come from the sea. I, th I feel like Atlantis was very real as well. Have you noticed like a lot of the stories that talk about like these crafts or whatever? 
they didn't have the ability to like kind of push water out of the way to go underwater correct in the oceans and then they shoot back up and then like you know the stop starts without any any inertia or whatever right that's right and you've uh, been and hearing so, about stories about this for a long time about crafts um jumping so out of the probably, water they're probably terrestrial they're probably just people who were able to survive thousands upon thousands of years of cataclysms because they were wise enough to get underground when they happened or they caused them themselves to create a reset to wipe the slate clean to start all over again. Mm -hmm. And that's why they would come out of the ocean to teach people again, because up to a point, they're kind of just, we're just the livestock until it's time to get rid of the livestock because they're getting, they're getting a little noisy, you know? That's I right. And the flood myth, it, it occurs in all cultures, which is pretty, pretty wild, my friend. 11,500 years ago, give or take, and then 6,500 years ago. So it's like cyclical. They get to a point, they're like, all right, let's wipe it out. It's pretty scary, or something right? Happens something naturally. does happen. Yes, it's it's all interesting, in my opinion, and it makes there's you book, makes you wonder when the next uh, cycle is coming. Right, and there's a book called the um, the Adam and Eve story by Chan Thomas, and apparently it was CIA classified uh, since 1965, but in 2013, I believe actually it was 624 2013 was the date that they quote unquote re uh, released it with uh, partial. Partial declassification. Hmm. There's like 57 pages. I read it on my elliptical two days ago, and it talks about a cataclysm event in California, which seems like it's they're talking about modern times. Oh no! And then they say, then they then they say the Adam and Eve story after that. So it's like okay, every so there, this has happened before. It's going to happen again, and the Adam and Eve story is like symbolic of a a, a new beginning because of the cataclysm. So it's, and then it goes into, you know, different folklore, Solon, the story of Solon from, you know, the Plato uh, writings and stuff like that. And, and, and kind of does a comparative analysis of all these stories that we've heard in the past about past cataclysms and re and rebuilding. And so basically resets. Yeah. I, I think there's something to it, my friend. And uh, it sucks that our human origins are so suppressed. Oh yeah. All by design. I'm sure. It I mean, really, have... it, it really bugs the hell out of me that i don't know do you know who howdy mccaskey is do i yeah i'm asking uh, yeah I'm, I'm wondering i'm like do i know who that is he's, he's on youtube he's he's been, he's written books he's been on uh freeman tv a lot i, I like mm. freeman so i listen to him sometimes um, i don't think i do but, i don't think i'm familiar with him so he talks about so gnosis and gnosticism and, and all this stuff i just call them really christians that's that's one thing i'd like to get out of the way but they have that demiurgus demiurge type of uh philosophy which i think is there's a ton of valid information there to be and, and a lot of things to, to consider because maybe the abrahamic religions were created as a control mechanism by the demiurge but anyway that's aside um yeah that could also be true though that these things were just made for social control yeah and then when you need to adjust it a little bit to catch the other people back you know it's like another rope to bring them right back to the center and dragging right back in, you just make a couple adjustments. Well, this guy was a different type of messiah, and this guy is going to be more accessible to these people, and then that, that'll rope them in, you know. Oh, and let, let's make him a hobbit, so we have somebody to to be a bad guy. That's <laughs> true. And the fact <laughs> like, that you you pay money to these mega churches should really uh, make you think twice, really. So, so what Howdy said, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but That's um, okay. he said, if this was supposed to be a place where you learn, and that you're trying to you know, make yourself better and better. Cause we had talked about this earlier. Mm. Why would you lose your memory? Mm. This wasn't a trap because you have to spend and waste all that time in this next life trying to relearn all that stuff again. And honestly, and now I'm going to, I'm going to put my own personal story in this. 
when I was 14, just riding my bike up my road in my small ass town, I knew that one day I would have a daughter. And if I wasn't a memory from a different life, well, how did I know that that was going to happen? I never had any question that I was going to have anything but my daughter. Interesting. You, 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 that was already in your head. Already in my head. Whoa. So that's why it's very important to me to make sure that I can be the best protector, whatever, teacher, guiding, yeah. loving person that I can, because I don't think this is the first time something awful may have happened to my family or the world. And then my question to you is, do you think you come back into the same timeline? Because who the hell knows what the fucking rules are? Or do you think you advance into the history? Every time you get that's a good question. I mean, you that sounds like yeah, you're it sounds like you're telling me that you believe in reincarnation here and you have had past some kind of stuck cycle, yeah. Like, you know, that whole idea of walk toward the light is like just like walking towards an angler fish's light, he fucking Mm, eats you. You go right back to where you started. True. They say don't walk into the light. That's what they say. Yeah. That's that's what the other people say, but usually it's, you know, the guiding light. That is crazy. Yeah, you, you know, you could be on to something here. But yeah, a lot of people have said that. Um, they, they, I've, I've heard a lot of conversations about the whole cycle. And I don't know, my friend. It is interesting, though. Maybe it we have had past lives. I, I don't know for sure. But there are some cases that you hear of things happening and someone have having ever- knowledge of something that they didn't know nothing about. And then all of a sudden, they're like experts in it. And then they yeah. Have all these dreams and shit, and they're like, oh, I was so-and-so in, in 1839. See, I, I can never be that specific about anything. That, that's why I, some of those stories I have a little question about, but there are children who found their house where they used to live, where they were killed at. Yeah, I've seen <laughs> stories like about that. It. They yeah, could yeah. teach them what they, they could show people in, in this time where their own body was buried. It was pretty messed up. Yeah, when kids have those stories of, they have these mem- these past life memories. That is freaky as shit, in my opinion. Right. Like, what is that all about? If there's yeah. nothing to it, right? Yeah, it really just makes you wonder. Have you ever had something happen? Like, you experience something or you watch something or something triggers something where your emotional response is not equal to what you should be, you know, you're, you're a third party un- uninvolved witness of whatever you're seeing or yeah, hearing. Yeah, it makes you emotional it almost. It makes and, you super emotional. Yeah. Like, what is that all about? That's happened to me a couple of times. You know, there's been some places I've been with. Strikes a nerve, but yeah, you don't know why. Yeah, and also there's been some places I, I've been with with um, with a company, and I feel like I've been here, been there before. Like it feels yeah. almost uh, too familiar. I'm going to say something about that because there's something that I don't agree with that I heard from somebody recently. They said that if you feel a sense of deja vu, it's because you're making the same mistakes over again. I'm like, how is that true? Or that hmm. you're following the same path? Like there's nothing, there's nothing that's 100% negative or wrong about a, a person's, you know, process that you would have to reject it completely for it to be completely different than last. That doesn't make any sense. You breathe every day. You, you, you know what I mean? It's like, that doesn't make any sense that you would recognize certain things through deja vu or whatever, or get that sensation. So that to me, I don't, I, I don't know who, why they were, they were, that person would have said that, but it just to me didn't make it a lot of sense because they might just be clues that you're on the right track. Right. Or that you're going to one day, like... I didn't feel negative about it, uh, that experience, but I'm, right. that's kind of weird that they did, though. Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah. right, they did. Um, hmm. So have you ever... And let me ask this question. I got I to gotta try to get to the... Ah, oh, son of a bitch, I lost it. Never mind. It'll come back. There's something to that, yeah. It'll come back in a few moments. It, it always happens that way. You forget something, but then five minutes or two minutes goes by, and then you're back in the game. Mm-hmm. 
But yes, we were talking about um, past life memories. And yeah, there's a lot of people out there that uh, think they were so-and-so in a so-and-so year. And then they go and talk to a psychic or, or a medium or something. And then they start telling them more and more about this. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of what it... So have you ever, so going back to the whole, that, that sensation or feeling oh, yeah. like you were there. That you've uh, been there before. Yeah. Like there's a place there in Santa, there was a place in Santa Barbara that I visited. There it was a mansion. I was at this mansion in Santa Barbara up in the hills, a very expensive, lucrative place. And I was in this mansion and, you know, I'm walking around this old ass mansion and I'm just getting all these weird sensations and feelings. And that was a haunted mansion, by the way, I have a whole, I have a lot of photos and stories about that mansion. Cool. But uh, yeah, I was in the courtyard. I was in the backyard. I was in the uh, entertainment, the entertainment room they had there, and with a nice big pool table. But everything felt really familiar. Going up and down these nice stairs, and I don't know. I had all these weird sort of um, things. I weird uh, dreams, even. I wonder uh, if en about energy that. points, like ley lines or whatever, have something to do with that familiarity. Because it might just be. A sensitive area, a thinner part Could of be. our fabric of reality, where we understand the source, yeah. our source, where we come from, a little bit better, and maybe that's where the familiarity comes from, like being home or something like that. Right. Even though well, it shouldn't feel that we way. are an antenna, and definitely wherever we are in our location, we could definitely receive weird signals, and that's probably what I was experiencing. Yeah. And man, there's I haven't gone to Sedona yet. We're all satellites in the sky, my friend. That's the way I see it. For sure. I mean, there's so much to, to go along with the energetics of the body and all the other stuff too. And there's so much to discuss and to think and to wonder. And then I guess I just have to go back to the whole idea. Like if this was supposed to be a learning process or a stepping stone to somewhere else, I'm not, again, you have to also assume that you're coming back in the first place for this to make any sense what i'm saying this is really, this, yeah this is this is really screwed up if that's the case right and and what the hell does that mean and well yeah uh, and then you wonder well, then what's the point of life then and that makes you wonder if this really is a demiurgus demiurge prison and that there's more to what the early christians were beaten down and murdered for thinking about when it comes to like the seven layers of not the burrito but of like heaven and like the the firmament and all that stuff like the all father is way up here doesn't really interact with us but different layers do and like you know you have like the sophia and the logos and then you have the demiurge and then he was granted the ability to make his own spot that's but, right. uh, he doesn't want anybody to leave you know who knows that's right and uh, if you go back and uh, look at scripture you know they didn't want us to uh, idolize uh, anyone no other deity other than uh, what they're talking about in, in the Bible there. Right. They, they talk about past heroes and shit. And, Isn't that uh, kind of weird? It's like, weird why because... Why yeah, jealous? Why, yeah, why would you be jealous for of these other deities? And, uh, you know, it's, it's a big no-no in the Bible to uh, sort of go the other path with these other, other folks out there. Um, you know, all these uh, mythos and stories of what the Sumerians believed in and so forth and so forth. It's like, like you're telling me they're 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 bad, they're wrong, and it makes me uh, scratch my head and say, well, why? If you were the creator of everything, any sense of love or loyalty would really go back to you in the first place, right? Because you're the creator. You're of that the creator. Thing. You're the one who made those people, right? So right. why are you uh, upset for? And why would why would a god who's if they're supposed to be the supreme god and not just a demiurge have 
effed up so much that he needs you to go to this tribe and murder them all and take their women and kill their babies and all that stuff. Why, what, and that happens a lot in Deuteronomy and other places. Yeah. Like, so you're saying you fuck up a lot. And right. you have no control of your creation. That sounds that like that, that sounds more like a man than a god. Right. And again, oh, okay. So going back to that thing now, another part of that whole idea of the, you know, the gods of high in high places, the whole, you know, the most high and all that stuff yeah, and going high. up high to to talk to their gods. Right. If the technology was out in the open back then of all these people who had survived long, long cataclysms, there's lots of, there doesn't need to be anything supernatural. There doesn't need to be anything otherworldly about them they're just people that have shit high advanced technology and they went up on high so that they would be seen and that these very human people who dressed alike so how did you know the difference between one or the other would grant you something with their magical godly powers because they had all this high tech and then you give it back to the well kind of a pedophile arthur c Clarke's thing of mm -hmm. saying anything of uh you know high technology would appear magic yeah there you go folks there's a lot to uh, consume here in this conversation for those who've been <laughs> following along. A lot of uh, traditional religious folks, I'm sure, will not like this talk either. They don't like that kind of talk, weird, right? I'm sure. It is, but I mean, they, they, they need to hear it. I just think it's odd that, you know, if you're being deceived, what, what is it like that you're being that loyal to and protecting? Talk. Sorry, I didn't you know? uh, interrupt you there. Oh, I'm sorry. I said if, if, you're, if you're being deceived, what is the, why would you be protective and resistant of you know what i mean like it's what are you protecting right if, if, if there's portions of it that are made by man that have been misleading to you translations changing or modernizing of certain things that don't mean the same or using a modern concept of of culture and to try to imprint that on the past when it doesn't work like that different value systems everything else why wouldn't you want to know all the anomalies. Why wouldn't you want to know that the Rosicrucians edited the King James Version? Why wouldn't you want to know all these other things that may indicate that there's more to the story? Especially if you want to, if your loyalty is to God, why wouldn't you want to know who he is versus what somebody tells you who he is? Yeah. So why, why would that fuck people up who are religious? Well, they, think they, they know. well, they listened and they were indoctrinated by their parents and those that ran yeah. the show. But all the things that we describe here today doesn't doesn't sound much like a deity to me. Um, someone who's described as being uh, omni uh, omni uh, omnipotent. I mean, it, it doesn't sound like that to me. No, I'm not saying that there aren't por portions of the old and the new that do kind of point to a benevolent creator, but there's such a dualistic nature of all these personalities that you make it makes you wonder if they're just lazy transcribers who assign the same name to multiple beings characters elohim which is plural who the hell knows yeah yeah we don't know and that's the problem we don't know and we probably won't know where we go when we die either and that's what also drives me crazy is there is there is there an afterlife is there not i mean i i certainly would hope so and when you have a sick like I right now, my grandfather's not doing well. He's going to be doing well because I'm going to will it to damn happen. But he lost his daughter, my my aunt, yeah, a long long time ago to leukemia. Mother of three, very young. I'm older than my aunt ever got to be. To think it's okay to give up because you're going to re be reunited with your daughter. How the fuck do you know that? Yeah. How do you know that? I want more than just faith. I want a fucking guarantee. Write it. Write it. Goddamn down. Because who knows? Who knows if that's true or not?
And that's why you have to sort of live life like it's going to be uh, your last day here um, at all times. That's it doesn't the best mean party. Though, oh, yeah. It doesn't, right? I'm not saying a party. <laughs> I'm just saying be the best version of you every single day and, uh, you know, try right. to give a bit more appreciate, effort. Uh, appreciate everybody in your life. Yeah, that day. too. That's probably the best thing you can do, especially if this just ends up being a, uh, some sort of simulation in the end. Yes. Yes. And, you know, that's why I don't ever get into the whole stupid flatter. Well, not saying that flatter ideas aren't, are stupid. I'm just saying the whole argument is stupid because for the same people who say something about it's this shape or it's flat also typically don't have a problem considering that it might be a holographic universe magnetism, right? Magnetism right. basically giving things volume. So if it's a fucking hologram, what the fuck different shape is? It doesn't mean it's it's a realm at that point. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what, what form it takes because it all it has to do is trick you. That's what I think. It, does it really matter <laughs> though? But uh, evidently it, it matters to a lot of people out there. Because of the math <laughs> and the this and that. Where does the math come from? Right. This realm. Right? So it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna work out because it's from this realm. <laughs> it's it's gonna it's gonna be the math of the fabric of the universe regardless. So it's gonna seem like it makes sense regardless if it does or not. Right. And another thing I was going to quickly ask you here was the Garden of Eden and that lovely story. Um, <laughs> Psilocybin. You know, I, I like I like talking to, <laughs> yeah, I like talking to uh, Robert Stanley about this all the time because I, I like to play devil's advocate all the time uh, when he starts talking about it. I think it's funny. I, he gets a good laugh, but I, I always tell him, you know, what, what was the big what was the big deal? I mean. What was the problem with the serpent giving us knowledge? I mean, that's why we're having this conversation, Robert. So why would, uh, you know, why would that be such a big deal? I think uh, maybe the devil got a bad rap, I think, at times. I mean, did he ever kill anyone that we know of in the Bible? No. Has God killed a lot of people in the Bible? Uh, yeah, a whole lot. That's why I think it's the Demiurge doing that. And the idea of that being a whole bad system of us knowing the idea, the you know, if you know good from evil, you know when you're being mistreated and you know yeah. who's mistreating you at that point. So if the demiurge is trying to control you, but they're treating you like shit, and then you find out something different, it could turn his control upside down. So, uh, you know. It's a fun story. I yeah. love it personally. I, I think it's great. Uh, I like all arguments for and against it, um, pro and con of uh, this and that. Uh, I think it's a great sort of, um, I was going to say it's, it's a great exercise. But mm -hmm. it's, I mean, I guess you could look at it that way. So, and, and so there's, there's still room for God and the creator and a benevolent being and the all father and all that stuff and a demiurge because the demiurge could be the manipulator, confusing, controlling, and setting up religions and all of other types of forms of government and stuff like that to keep the control. Right. And to keep us here. And if but we that go that way, that Daniel, if we go, if we continue down this path, then you have to obviously admit to yourself and to everyone else, uh, as we know all the principles of God and why he is God and all the why he's important and how he's all-knowing and he did all this, then that would mean God also created evil and all the bad things that happen. Right, and I think that's where you get into this idea of the Sophia and the Logos kind of coming together to help the Demiurge out because the All-Father granted him a place to make his, of his own because he was kind of like an anomaly of Sophia's uh, creative power. There if, you go. if we get into the story yes. or whatever. So the, they, he kind of like granted the mag. It's like, we don't know if it means aeons. We don't mean it, know if it means actual days. It could be you were given, you know, 26,000 years times, or uh, 2,600 years times seven to make your world. But when you did it, 
you couldn't animate it, so the logos had to come in and all this other stuff. Then you get that that story of breathing life into Adam and all this stuff right. is allegedly coming from the logos. So they helped, but now he wants to keep it all for himself, possibly. Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows if there's anything true about this? But it's interesting to think about because that still doesn't mean that it's not where nobody's saying that God or you know the All Father or whatever they call it in, in early Christianity is the bad guy. It was more like a a kind gesture to allow the, the demiurge to have his own his own hangout. Yeah, and, he, and he's he's uh, he's abusing his his privilege. You pretty know? much, yes. It's pretty wild, man. Very pretty strange. wild. I, I, it's a very interesting subject, and you know, you, we can go all the way around. Well, anyone can uh, with these subjects and come to all kinds of different conclusions. But yeah, how many times have you heard a Christian say, or or they read it from say, "My God is a jealous God." Well, then why, what? What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I, I hear that as well. Well, one, I haven't heard that in a while, but I have heard that before. My God is a jealous God. And you scratch your head and think, why would God be jealous? Right. What does he not have that he needs to feel like he's... Because that's usually a, a feeling of insecurity, which can be pretty dangerous if you have the powers of a God. It is. <laughs> yeah. You know, like a flood. Hey, let's kill everybody and start over because I'm going to throw a tantrum. That's right. And um, uh, Daniel, you know, we've been talking for a while now, and I know we're coming close to an end here. So I feel like, you know, we could talk more about this, but I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the new disease that's on our, that maybe it's on its way. Another one of these uh, Chinese uh, experiments that might, that may or may not be released, I, sh I should say. Disease X, as, it, as it's yes. famously known right now. Uh, your thoughts and opinions on this uh, disease that has been killing these uh, rats in high percentages, 100%, rather fact. I don't think it's any uh, small point that uh, it's, I don't think it's coincidental or it's just whatever that there was back in the day, Club X or an X club that had to do with Darwinianism and it had to do with the eugenicists of that era and then we have people like Te um, Tesla boy, you know, Elon Musk, every <laughs> yeah, other Elon. company that he's involved in has an X in it. Even PayPal Ooh, before Peter Thiel took it had an X in it. You know, it was called X.com, I think, before, before Peter Thiel and the other guys got involved with PayPal. And now we have Twitter being called X. Called X. X marks a spot. X is the symbol of poison. X is where, you know, all kinds, you know, you're dead. Two X's over your eyes in a cartoon. That's right. X is all that. X is the mark of the beast, according to Aleister Crowley. You know, the X with a circle around it, like the X-Men. All this stuff. Russell Brand used to have that show Brand X. It was a circle with an, an X with a circle right. around it. And then it's like, what are we, they're rubbing it in our faces, the symbolism. And to call it Disease X means like, this is going to be the big one. It's not Disease 10. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if you looked at the iPhone X, if you just spell it backwards, it's Phoenix. Kind of, kind of interesting because of the Phoenix rising from the ashes. Right. But anyhow, um, it's it's bullshit because we know that, I, at least I think we know that the virus theory, I'm not able to say this on here. Damn it. Never you, mind. You mean on where? We're, uh, well, you're going to be on YouTube, right? No. I can't we, say what I'm about no, I have a, uh, no, since, since we uh, got that video removed, uh, I can't uh, upload or do a live show for about a week. Oh. But this will be on the podcast, which actually draws more numbers than those on uh, than, than the shows on YouTube, actually. Oh, okay, good. So it's all so good. I'm, 
You okay with me saying what I'm about to say then? Yeah, you, I don't, can, you can see whatever I don't you want here. What you can do with this video or whatever. Oh so. no, we're we're limitless here. All right, cool. So, uh, Bechamp, Will Rim and Rife indirectly, but Bechamp directly. They dispelled germ theory a long time ago. They had equipment. They had looking glasses, I believe he said, or looking apparatus. Bechamp did, so he could actually study living material at the magnitude. Is it magnitude or magnification of what they use? electron microscopes for now and you have to kill the the tissue radiate it put chemicals in it and all this other stuff mix it all up in order for you to be able to see it on electron microscope you didn't have to do that on his so you could tell what things were what and living tissue surprise surprise operates differently than dead tissue that's been poisoned and if it's like putting your hand in a blender i think i heard an analogy once putting your hand in the blender and then taking a sample of it and putting on a, a slide to try to understand how it functions, you know? So it's, that's what we're basing this whole germ theory on because it's a great control mechanism to get people to do stupid things like rush to take the actual poison, Yeah, you know? And that's why I, it doesn't matter what, what the con is. It's always the same con. They're poisoning your food, water, and air. They're putting pesticides on everything. They're spraying you from above. Your drinking water is probably contaminated with some kind of horrible stuff. There's microplastics, every, anything that can make you sick. Radiation in your every freaking town has a shit ton of uh, radio towers. RF frequencies can cause flu-like symptoms. So whatever the hell they're giving to the rats, we're not there to see what they're actually doing. It could just be poisoning them. Yeah, you know. And but here's the scam. Here's the here's the thing that we're and and then people say, why would they spend X amount of money to blah blah blah, and why would they give the shot away for free and blah blah blah? Because they print it. It doesn't mean shit to them. It only means it only matters to the profane idiots like us that we think in terms of money. Their terms are human suffering. And if there is a cataclysm coming that they're aware of, they don't want a bunch of people rushing into their tunnels. So it's better to kill us off ahead of time. Well, I can't disagree with that. <laughs> to thin the herd, right? To thin the herd, yeah. yeah. A term we heard as well. Thinning of the herd. We heard a lot of that back in 2020. Herd, and herd that, uh, immunity. Herd even. immunity. And that, that brings me to my next point here before I cut yeah, you man. loose, my friend. Um, Everything's inverted. I know okay. that too. Everything's very much inverted and backwards in, in the, the year 2024. And, you know, we're talking about all this stuff going on right now. And that's one uh, criticism that Trump is uh, currently facing. I know there's many criticisms he faces, but one of the main ones is because of his involvement with Operation Warp Speed. Yes. And he likes to call himself the godfather of the vaccine. I've made this statement many a times Boy, myself. They. What the hell is that all about? Okay, so. Apparently, WikiLeaks, I don't know who controls it, if it's still Julian Assange. I don't know what the hell Julian Assange is. I'm not even but... sure who uh, controls it now. Huh? I said, I'm not even sure who controls that now. Right, right. Yeah. Besides some three-letter agency, probably. Some fed, but... yeah, yeah. So, can I read something to you real quick? Yeah, And then kind of yeah. give my assessment of it? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. So, this to me sounds like QAnon nonsense, as I like to call it. Because, <laughs> I like that. You know, sit on your hands. Let somebody else take care of your problems. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about the lockdowns. Don't worry about... Mar they said this two years ago, four years ago. Don't worry about martial law. It's all Trump. It's all the white hats. Just let yourself get completely devastated by government oh, things and the then just hats. assume that it's for your benefit and everything will be fine. Don't fight back, though. So this is... <clears throat> uh, Jack Anthony sent this to me. It says, emergency transmission system warning. President Trump is going to tweet... So first of all, this is going out to the public. So keep that in mind when they tell you their secret plan about what they're going to do, right? President Trump is going to tweet, my fellow citizens, a storm is brewing. Oh, God, here we go. A storm's coming. More QAnon shit, right? 
and that will unleash global martial law on us. Apparently, that's supposed to be a positive thing. Uh, Gisera and Nessera will be activated. The military will remove Cabal, a nice another term that the, that the QAnoners will know. Cabal-controlled governments worldwide and simultaneously arrest 500,000... Uh, arrest 500... Uh, fi yeah, this doesn't make sense the way they spelled it. They wrote it up. But, um, and simultaneously arrest 500,000 sealed indictments worldwide. I, I, said, I understand what they're trying to say there, but they didn't say it right. They're going to arrest people. I feel like they've been saying. I, I feel like they've been saying that for many, many moons now. Yeah, yeah, it's the same shit because they got to ramp it up because Trump's coming back, right? This guy got, they got to enter into the man on the white horse. Freaking, uh, <laughs> what is it? Behold the pale horse, right? Behold the pale All right, horse. So, seven trumpets, uh, aka EBS text messages, alerting him to tune in his his TV, radio, and phone will be coming to his phone. Every world military throughout. United States military shut down all media, internet, phone. So now they're telling you that they're going to shut down our communications. Right. Right. But it's a good thing. Oh, it's a so good they're thing. they're prepping the people that would actually resist and fight and grab arms and become a militia and, and defend it. It's okay. Everything's fine. It's the good guys. Uh, it says uh, emergency services will, be, will still work. Internet and ATMs will not work. ATMs will not work during that time. And phones will only work. Let me just drop up to the next one. I have the... This global, oh uh, yeah, emergency phones will only work if you call 911. This global martial law includes 10 days of communications darkness, emergency oh, broadcast yeah. systems operating around the world, and an eight-hour documentary on fraud, corruption, pedophilia, arrests. It's like, it's like Passover all over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to yeah, mark yeah, red, uh, I'm going to mark a red uh, X on my door. Right, and everything will be fine. Pay no attention. Uh, let's see. Arrests and courts around the world to be broadcast three times a day, 24 hours a day, to prime the, to prime the public. Oh, it's okay, because the propaganda in front of your face is telling you just to stay at home. Don't, run, don't make it hard for us to catch you, right? Um, we, 365 days a year. Okay, so they're going to run that 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, but apparently this is only supposed to last for 10 days. So how does that work? Uh, after 10 days of communication, darkness will be... Uh, of, of the darkness, we connect to a new... Now, here's where it gets really messed up. Where'd it go? Let me see if we can get it. We're going to connect to a new system, everybody. Uh, a, a, a new network. That sounds like a digital currency to me, possibly, or a new world order. I don't know. As much as the internet... These are bad sentences that they're writing. The old system of government, education, finance, health, trade, and commerce will be dismantled and replaced. Exactly what they were telling us what they were going to do with the CBDC. So... Regardless if this is, somebody said this is just more QAnon shit. Agreed. Agreed. But, and, and thank you, Captain Obvious, for the person who said that. <laughs> but what are they actually telling you? If this actually, if something like this starts to go down or starts to look like something like this to go down, all the people who would actually stand up and fight are going to be neutralized just like they were during the lockdowns. They're going to sit on their hands and wait for their savior, who's going to come in an orange man form probably, and it's going to, stop people from actually having that one opportunity they have to resist. And then we're all fucked. Because then we'll be in a digital prison, thanks to Switch and all those other jacked up AIs nonsense controlling our worlds and our, and our countries and the defense systems and everything that's shooting at you from freaking uh, phones and, or what do you call it, the telephone poles and all that right. crap, monitoring you all day. Active denial systems, all the stupid F5G around your neighborhood. If they don't want you out of the house, crank that shit up. You'll run right back inside. Oh, yes. So... I'm just saying this is kind of messed up because if this does happen it, it, and they're planning this and they're telling you this is going to happen, 
if it if it's not if it's all 100% bs great awesome but if this is just trying to dismantle and disarm the people who would actually put up a resistance this is pretty messed up that's what i would concern myself with mostly is that the people who'd be duped by that not doing anything and you've just taken out the biggest issue that they would have which is any resistance right i mean the thing is um you, you definitely don't want to end up in another waco like situation at your home and some folks uh they, they feel like they could take on the government or law enforcement and i think are you retarded that one helicopter would all it would all would take to... that's all it takes to get you out of there yeah actually one drone could get yeah, you out of there, there. You go. they need to man it right yeah and what, what good is that if all you're doing is breaking their toys how do you how do you you're not stopping them no you're not taking their numbers down if you're just breaking their innumerable amount of toys i kind of feel like we've already been compromised my friend i sort of Absolutely. feel like everything's kind of um uh, i was gonna say i think i think we're pretty much doomed daniel I think you might be right. I think we've and already I, been sold out, my friend. I think this country and those who God. ran it have sold out a long time ago. They sold us down the river, Daniel, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and like, if you want to go back to the whole bankruptcy of this country, like, we haven't yeah. had a government. We just had the, the, the Jesuit theater playing in for us, and we can go pick our candidate, and now, hey, look for America. Yeah, and that's another thing I have trouble with as well. Uh, the fact that we vote is a uh, very troubling to me i, I feel like uh, voting uh, it's it's bullshit in other words yes <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad you came to that conclusion so quickly <laughs> yeah. I, I i just don't buy it my friend i've never have i never believed in it it's like uh you know what they say in that movie caddyshack be the ball danny be the ball yeah yeah great, yeah, great yeah. movie <laughs> yeah right because the two ping pong paddles are you know, you have your 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 lefts and your rights, and you're the ball of getting smacked back and forth over the net. Yeah, right? good good point. It's like having two parents that are separated, right? One smacks you over to their side of the court, and then you smack them back over, and it's like, yeah, I'm just a kid in between, bouncing my fucking head off. Or yeah. another good analogy would be good cop, bad cop. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's the same. You thing. know, they're gonna they're gonna ensnare you either on this side, that side, and hey, every once in a while when they give you a third option, now they got everybody. That's right. You know, I wish we had a, I, I wish a third party would actually have the same sort of backing that the left and right, the major left and right actually has. That would be fun if we had a bit of an outsider in there. You know, someone that you know, know doesn't, I, you know, someone that doesn't actually belong in there. Someone that's pretty wild. Not like how they try to make Trump seem where right. they're like, oh no, he's on the outside. He's not a politician. You know, any, anytime I heard that, I'm like, you really don't know how the world works to you. Anytime I hear someone say that. Political guy, Vivek. I, I thought he was fun. I thought he was fun. He's, yeah, he made his money in pharmaceuticals as well. I mean, so I, 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 liked, I liked him because he was a little, you know, he's a little, uh, well, because he's Indian. People are supposed to say all the right things because they're supposed to get people in, in that thought process and then steer them into the ground later once they're already. I, you know, I, I was hoping we'd get like a young Indian in there, but then I, I also quickly remembered, no, he's also been compromised. So he he would definitely not be a good president, in my opinion, actually. Once I started thinking about it again, I'm like, wait a minute. Let me go back to, uh, let me get back down to earth for a second here and be rational about this. I thought he is no better than the rest of them. Have you heard of uh, the Murbers? I don't know if it's coming from the people or if it's been stated like officially that uh, the orange man might consider him as a, as a running mate. I heard that, but then I thought, well, is that actually going to happen, though? Right. Probably not. 
And, you know, it's funny. I think I heard um, the same thing about, and I had said this about, I don't know, it was like a month and a half ago to actually Jack Anthony, the guy who sent me that. Yeah. Um, that uh, I couldn't think of his name at first, Tucker Penis, Tucker Penis Between Your Legs. Oh, Tucker Carlson, right. Um, that he might be <laughs> pulled up as a... <laughs> as really? A, uh, as the next, uh, yeah, the running mate. I don't know if that's true, but I feel like they're pushing, they're pushing him into a, a more politically, at least relevant wow. position. And that's, I don't, and I think I've heard murmurs since then that that actually was a consideration that Tucker, Tucker penis between his legs is a. That is crazy a, if that would happen. Right. I don't even want to think about that. That is, that is. Yes, buddies with, uh, with what's his name, Hunter? With Hunter Biden. Something? Yeah. That's why I think it's all BS. You know, these people just go where the money is. And I understand that. But at some point, you have to have some integrity and be honest about your doings behind the scenes. But then again, all anchors out there, they've already sold their souls. You know, they all are, they're all pay for play, just yeah. like, uh, just like Hillary. You know, they're Rupert all pay for play. is owning the, con the station that you're, that you're, you know, I mean, he's cons on foreign relations. Can you get any more dirty than that? Yeah, you know, that guy's another piece of work. And by the way, I do have a, a clip here of Bill Cooper, which I forgot to play for you when we we're talking about aliens. Uh, and this is what the man you know, had to say. You know, can I just say this real quick yeah, just yeah, as, as, a, as a disclaimer? Or not a disclaimer, but a, but to put it in this perspective. He, went, he, he said, it, even when in, in his book, if, if this, you know, it's possible that this is true or it's possible that it was I was meant to see this so that I would one day talk about it and it would be a deception. And then he's, he later since after that, you know, after going to these UFO conferences and stuff like that, he said that this is all bullshit. It's all CIA. It's all this and that. Because he actually met the people and they thought they were he was one of them. And then, you know, he was like, yeah, this is all nonsense. This is all garbage. So whatever he might have said at one point, he totally throughout the whole entire time of his radio broadcast, which was nine years of him talking every night, said that it was a great deception he called them euphology euphologists and stuff like that too so i just want to put that out there right here we go papers i found on my desk was a document entitled operation majority and it was not the entire paperwork involving this operation but was merely a synopsis of the operation and projects contained under it one of these projects was called Project Red Light. The purpose, according to this document, was to back-engineer captured extraterrestrial technology for adaptation into the United States space program. Now, I have since come to believe that the extraterrestrial portion of all of this is nonsense, but that the technology is real, is real. I believe that many of us were shown these documents over the years so that Later, we would talk about it. I mean, how can you keep the existence of extraterrestrials, if they were real, a secret? And how could anyone keep quiet knowing that they had seen documentation, official government documents, labeled top secret, that expressed that these extraterrestrials were real and had visited this Earth? I wanted to know just how true all of this was, and I began a program of research to find out if extraterrestrials were real. The first thing I did was collect every bit of documentation that I could find, both from the Freedom of Information Act, from the research of others, from books that had been printed on the subject of UFOs, and of course through my network of friends in the intelligence community, what I discovered 
was amazing. What I discovered, ladies and gentlemen, is that there has been a plan in existence since about 1917, and probably before that, to create an artificial extraterrestrial threat to this Earth in order to create a one-world totalitarian socialist government. One of the first documents that I found in my search was this one. The Imperial Japanese Mission 1917, a record of the reception throughout the United States of the special mission headed by Viscount Ishii. And when the Imperial Japanese Mission was uh, in New York City, they had a dinner and some pretty famous people spoke at this dinner. One of them was John Dewey. John Dewey is the father of our failing, disastrous public education system. Here's what he said. Listen very carefully. John Dewey, professor of philosophy in Columbia University, who was the next speaker, was listened to with great intentness. He said, quote, Someone remarked that the best way to unite all the nations on this globe would be an attack from some other planet. And he cuts off right there. Very awesome. Yeah, and not knowing what clip that was going to be, I apologize for that. No Felt worries. the need to correct you know the the record only because no, no he didn't no change his mind on it so well yes uh, th this was just about um you know what what he talked about here with the uh, terms of a fake alien invasion which is something we've been hearing about for a long time already and that's only been reamped again because of what's been going on in the news and uh thanks to uh you know jeremy corbell and uh, george knapp being uh two main components of all this what's been going on which is very odd, in my opinion. And the fact that TMZ also jumping on the bandwagon and putting out all the those documentaries, the series, rather. Who was the last person I kind of said made a noise when I throw it in and catch it? Oh, George Knapp. Oh, George Knapp. That was the last one. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, it's funny because a long time ago, Bill Cooper actually put out two uh, documentaries that he had created called The Red Light, uh, Project Red Light 1 and 2. And uh, he was at he was at um, Area 51, just you know, you know, interviewing people in the, who lived in the area, and take he would take people out there to just kind of like hang out and see what they could see. You can't get too close because it was all you know, base bases were you know the whole thing was kind of like a patrolled or whatever, so you can right. only get so close. But they would stay there overnight and watch stuff and you know check out the lights and see how they moved and things like that. Back then, they had, you know, what was it, VHS cameras. So, I mean, nothing was crystal clear. It's about like watching dots going back and forth on the screen. Right. But it's, uh, it was kind of tough to, to make out what was what. In, the, in perspective, too, like if you're not seeing the horizon line and you're just looking straight up in the sky, like you can't really see what's happening because there's no frame of reference for it. But it was, it was interesting because he never at that point either said anything except that this is government operation. You know, this is... What they where they do all this stuff and this is where they develop all this stuff i feel he's right and yeah that was a very <clears throat> very early documentary probably one of the very first documentaries about area 51 also known as dreamland which is oh. pretty awesome <laughs> I, I wish it was just called dreamland these days but only the old timers know about that but yeah project red light definitely a great documentary i believe i've seen that one a number of years ago myself and that was a Pretty amazing at the time. I remember seeing that when I was really young too. Yeah, yeah. I got into this yeah. very young, by the way. Oh, they had they had the stories too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I found it on you. I found the part two on the YouTube, and I was able to trace back to the first one. That was 
they're, they're, they're degraded. I mean, they're old videos, oh, but, yeah. they're, but they're still, they're still interesting to watch for sure. I think it's great. And I love all the subject matter, even though I know probably most of it might be bullshit mm -hmm. for the majority of it. But I definitely don't rule out all the sightings that, that all these, um, sailors saw back in the day. Right. And then, these USOs. Yeah, again, it makes you, it makes you have to wonder if it's coming out of the water and stuff That's like that. That's right. How, how are we to say that they're not, they don't belong here? That they're not from some. That you know, do they have to be from somewhere else, or yeah, they just have to have high technology and be here and be here you know? already, deep into right. the the uh, core of the earth, as they say. But my friend um, Daniel, I do want to uh, thank you tremendously for being a part of the program, my friend. Definitely. I don't know how you feel about it, but I had second. a really good time. I had a great time. I mean, I I always have a good time when you're here, even though we've only done, you know, this is our second show. But, you know, you, you did a fantastic job. And again, here tonight, I enjoyed our conversation immensely, my friend. And again, we'll do it again on the other side, my friend. Definitely plug away if you'd like. Oh, on uh, Barnes & Noble, there's a 6 by 9 416-page version of uh, Priestcraft Beyond Babylon. Uh, it's not going to have color photos, but it's the cheapest of the versions. The other, the other one is going to be on Amazon, and you can get it in hardcover paperback and kindle you can also get it on nook over on uh, barnes and noble but uh that's a that's an eight and a half by 11 so it's a full so sheet size of paper and it's 14 font so if you have a hard time reading you can the reason why i made two different sizes so that people who have a hard time reading can see it better and that's going to be in color uh same same thing if uh, if you get the hardcover it's uh glossy and 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 in color so there you have it and then also kindle is probably the cheapest version because it's electronic have at it. <laughs> I would, I would, I would strongly recommend the the big book, ladies and gentlemen. It makes a for a great piece on the coffee table as well, and of course, the font is big enough to read. Not like all the modern day books now, where the font is like a size five font. And if I may, and if I may be so bold, yeah, because I put a lot of work into this, and I, I was, I, one of the other objectives was to have something that anybody could pick up, including homeschool parents, if they wanted to get an idea for their children and for themselves about what they're saying that, you know, what's going on that they're not ever telling you about. I think this would work as a textbook, as a, as an addition, not as the, as a replacement, but as an additional study guide or something like that for children that they would never, ever get in even charter school. Right. So. Absolutely. Very nice. My friend, we will do it on the other side. All right, buddy. Thank you so much again. I appreciate it. And one of these days, we're going to track down Mike. Absolutely. <laughs> and there he goes, boys and girls. That was Mr. Daniel Christos. Go check out his show, Ball Busters, on Rumble and wherever you listen to podcasts. Just a quick reminder, if you go to michaeldeacon.com, you can find our merchandise. Those of you listening now, you should know where to go. And we have a new line of clothing coming out just for you. The 2024 line is underway. So far, there's only one shirt. But soon there will be many. I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the program. Special thanks to all of you on Patreon and those who listen to the live edition of the program. And of course, those who listen to the podcast version of this program. Much love and respect to all of you. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place. And life itself is a mystery. Until next time, mahalo.